Good morning. morning. Do you notice a shift somewhere in the energy this morning? Did you guys notice that? In case you're not familiar with where that comes from, it's not produced by human effort. The best thing we can do is show up willing to worship, and sometimes by the grace of God, just by his grace, He just kind of comes in and joins with us. So this morning, I'm not going to bring you any fantastic words of wisdom from Dr. Rob. I'm just going to share some things that I learned from Scripture this week and hope that the Holy Spirit, as he's already, he's already, Holy Spirit's already here. We have the truth, but he is the vehicle that illuminates our eyes and our minds, shows us things. And I have, to say, I have to say to you that this week in preparation of this message, as I hear, uh, hear you maybe you give you some challenges, I want you to know this was a very convicting week for me. Because as the Lord was showing me some truths, they were truths that I'm still working on in my life. So it was encouraging. I didn't get slammed, but we've all got some places we can go. I want to first also welcome... There's some folks here that uh, I got to meet a few weeks ago uh, from the Boys to Men camp. So I just want to welcome the families and the, those young men who are here. Uh, you guys made an impact on this message because you, none of us are too old to learn something new, right? If you want to learn something new, go on a camp with some teenagers and you'll, they'll teach you something. If you survive, they'll teach you something. So let's start out. Let's open our, our Bibles. You have Bibles in front of you in the pew, or if you have the uh, Oasis app, or even if you have the Uversion app, there's all kinds of ways you can plug in. Let's open our Bibles. Uh, we've been journeying through uh, Pastor, well, various teachers we've had bring us through Mark. And what we're focusing on in Mark is what did Jesus do? Not only what did he say, but what did he do? Because we have a faith, folks, that is not just rooted in truth, it's rooted in action. If we become just hearers of the word and not doers of the word, we become arrogant and useless. The word is given to us as a guide and as an inspiration that we may make a difference not only in, our, in his kingdom, but also in the surrounding area that we live. Now this is a short passage, so first we're just going to read it through, starting with verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus saw it. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is a very simple, straightforward passage, right? We look at the setting first. We're just going to look at four verses. Each verse has its own communication and its own truth that we can glean. In verse 13, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. So here's the setting. Jesus and his disciples, his entourage, have been walking throughout Judea in different places and teaching. They've also been performing miracles. 
They, they've, they've been healing lepers and, and deaf people and blind people. So you have these parents and their children who are following in the crowds and they're seeing what this man is doing. And as, you, as many of you are parents, the love of a parent is always to have their child healed. It's to get my child to whatever they need. Little Samson last night in the emergency room, right? Father smiling up there, praising God. He fell and cut himself, and, and they got him to the emergency room. Well, back in these days, there was no ER. But these parents saw Jesus as a possibility, not just for healing, but also for blessing. See, we've talked about up here in teachings that the blessing of, the, of that culture, to have the blessing of a godly figure or a godly man or father, it determined your status in life, how, how successful you were going to be. See, we don't think about it as much now, but in those days, they fought to get a blessing. Esau and Jacob went at it because they wanted that blessing. So these parents are seeing this man, and they just say, we got to get our kids to him. Their attitude is at all cost, whatever it takes. They didn't know the whole truth about Jesus because remember, he hadn't revealed yet that he was the true son of God. But they knew there was something special and something of God about this man, and they wanted more of it. Now, the disciples, they were stuck in the customs of their times, what they had been taught. They were stuck in their own misconceptions about who comes to Jesus. See, these were... They were trained by religious people. Religious people don't want everybody to come to Jesus. I didn't get an amen out of that. Religious people want you to qualify to come to Jesus. The disciples wanted to control the situation. See, they felt like they were more important because they were near Jesus. And they wanted to keep that club kind of exclusive, to tell you the truth. Sometimes the religious people of today, we keep Jesus' people that he loves from getting close to him. One thing I love about this church, and I think we can testify to that, we, we don't have many religious people here. We have Jesus people, but our, our, our thing is, if you come through that door, you can be a Jesus person. We want to make a way for you to come to Jesus, not set up boundaries and barriers that you can't understand or get to him. These parents saw something in Jesus, and they, they had a love for their child that they were going to get him there, Right? Well, that also gives us insight on how Jesus sees us because he sees us as children and potential children. As a loving parent, and this is uh, for some of y'all who have had teenagers or you have a teenager, 
Jesus sees you not for your current level of maturity. He sees you for your potential and, and how he created you. Sometimes as parents, we can get so stuck in, my goodness, is my child ever going to learn? Is my child ever going to get this right? And we can get so stuck there and demoralized. And Jesus said, I know your child. I see. Let me tell you, if you come to me, I'll tell you why I created that child and what that child's going to do. See, Jesus has a vision for who the child is to become. And sometimes we get get distracted by looking at who the child is today. Now, remember, we're looking at not only what Jesus was thinking, what his heart was, we were looking at what he did. So let's look at the next scripture. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. The scripture in the Greek said he was, his anger was aroused toward him. He was actually offended almost that they would do such a thing. And said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. He just took hundreds of years of theology and turned it upside down. Because in their world, you had to qualify to come to the temple. You had to qualify to, in fact, you weren't qualified and couldn't get into the inner sanctuary where God himself existed because you weren't good enough. Jesus flipped it all totally upside down. And I know I'm speaking to people this morning, some of you have been raised in church, some of you had good experiences, some of you had horrible experiences. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've given church another shot. I'm so glad you're here. Because if it failed the first time, it likely wasn't presented to you like Jesus. See, the heart of Jesus, the heart of God, is always to receive and bless his children. See, if you don't understand the heart of God, you won't, you won't submit under his guidelines and his rules. Because if you don't know that his heart is to love you and to bless you and receive you, you will treat him like an earthly authority who just makes you feel bad when you fail. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't have guidelines and instruction. He says those are good for you. That's how you stay safe and how you find life. But if you don't know the heart of God, or if you've never seen it, if, you, if it hasn't been represented well through a parent or through a church, my fear is that you're going to dismiss the whole idea of Jesus because somebody didn't represent him well. He is worth pursuing. Now that word, I got an amen, thank you. That's, I, I need that once in a while. See, Jesus wants to remove the barriers for all to come into his presence. That's his heart. The question is, are we helping people get to his presence? Or do we fall into the trap of the disciples when we say, when he says, don't be a hindrance? Now see, here's where I got my conviction this week. Just three ways in which I think we hinder or we can hinder someone coming to know Christ. And I'm talking about the real deal, Jesus. Not the religious version, but to know him. I think sometimes... We need to take a look at our tone, our tactics, and our testimony. And again, I'm guilty of all three of these, so when you hear me ask the question, it's not condemnation from up here. It's, it's not joyous either, but, it, but it's an invitation to say, let's just look at how we're interacting with, 
not just with children, but think of everyone that you interact with as potentially a child of God. Get a whole new, don't look at what they're wearing, what, kind, what color hair they got, how many earrings they got. Don't be an old man. I'm just saying, because I'm getting that age, and I know how it is to think like an old man, is to judge something by its appearance. And I'm going to tell you, this, that weekend for me, I had to get over myself. Because those young men, those young men, they had depth to them. They had purpose and calling in their life. And God would continue to reveal it throughout the weekend and convict me. See, you don't even know what you're looking at. Let me show you what I'm looking at. So I don't want to be a hindrance to anybody coming to him. And I've been guilty of all three of these things. So do we communicate, number one, with the tone? Does my tone hinder those coming to know him? Do I communicate the rules of Jesus more than I talk about the love of Jesus? I'll never forget, years ago, I was a young Christian, and I was trying to learn all the rules, and Eric loves to remind me of this once in a while. We were attending the same church, and I was a, de- I was a uh, usher. I took my ushering very seriously. There's some rules and etiquette in this house of God. This is a house of God. You need to, young man came in with his hat on. God bless him. See, some of y'all are smiling because you've done the same thing I did. You need to take your hat off. You're in the house of God. Now, I didn't say it quite that with that tone. But I was like, man, take your hat off, man. This is God's house. Now, I'm not saying that there is a reverence. Don't misunderstand me. There is no one more reverent in God's house and respect this house. But it's not found in my attire. It's found in the state of my heart. That's why for the first time ever, you see me preaching in some Air Jordans this morning. I did that for my young brothers, because I I figured if I had any chance to be cool, this is as close as I could get. So that's that's the end. I know. See, I'm already 10 years old with that. So I'm always late. Let Let me tell you what I hear from scripture about how Jesus talks. What's his tone? John 6, 63, he says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. I was convicted, and I'm going to publicly apologize to my one and only daughter right now. But I can't look at her. There were so many hours, if you added up the years, there were so many hours of lectures trying to teach her right from wrong, how to do something, how to do it well, how to do it perfectly. There's so many hours of lecture that were from the flesh. Now, she's a a beautiful, wonderful daughter, full of grace. She didn't fight back too much like some of us do. But I I realized if my words don't have life, if they're not of spirit, they have no life. Now, I want to see if y'all are with me. How many of you have been given a lecture to your kid and you see the light go off in them? Just so you know, that's a signal to stop. For me, it was a signal to step up my game, right? (laughs) That's That's not Jesus. That's not how Jesus does it. If my words don't have life, they come from the flesh and they have no value. They don't sink in. Jesus also spoke with encouragement. First Thessalonians, he said, in chapter five, he says, therefore encourage one another and build up each other 
just as in fact you are doing. See how cool Jesus is? He encouraged them, and then he, he told them what to, to be an encouragement, and then he said, and you're, just like you're doing. So he encouraged them even as he was telling them what to do. Did you catch that? He told them this is what you need to do, and you're doing it, so keep doing it. That's awesome. That's life-giving when you can find something good to say about somebody on a bad day. There's always something good to say about somebody, even on a bad day. In fact, if they're having a bad day, that's exactly what they need to hear. The last thing in Jesus' tone, and I always have to include Psalm 139 for my bride. Hear the tone of how God thinks of you. The psalmist said, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. The works of God are good. Sin has corrupted us. Sin has stained the perfect God image that he intended to give us. But then he gives us a way for that stained image, that crimson image to be clean again. That's why we need to help everybody else find a way to him. And if you haven't gone there yet, he's the only way to clean the stain of whatever your life has given you or whatever choices you've made. Let's look at the second thing, tactics. Okay, more conviction. What's your style of motivating people? What's your like gut instinct like, I'm, I'm gonna change that right now. I see something right there I just don't appreciate, I don't like. They may be a child, I may be their coach, I may be their teacher, I may be their leader at work. Here's one for you, how many people would say that you are a person of influence in your life? Okay, let me say that again. I think two hands went up. How many, would, how many of you would say that I am a person of influence? Okay, some of y'all are being humble, and I appreciate that, but I want you to realize every hand in here should go up. You are a person of influence. Don't be like the, like the disciples and worry about what your title is. You're a person of influence. You can speak life or death into every situation. You can influence. Young people, I know, you, I know it feels like sometimes you're just under the gun all the time. I go from home to school to coaches. Everybody is on top of me trying to change me. You're a person of influence. You can change the culture that you live even by your responses. Mark, is that because you want to say something? Y'all hear that? He said, everybody has someone who looks up to him. It's good, brother. Here's what I know. And I'm still learning how to use it well. My tongue is a devastating instrument. It's devastating into, into a person's heart, into their being, and it's also devastating into the dark kingdom. When I speak truth and I speak love and encouragement into somebody's life, I throw darts into the enemy. 
You can watch a person's countenance come up when they expect to get a hammer and you give them a hug. And for some of you rule keepers, I'm not saying there's not a time. There is a time for instruction. But if you don't show the love of Christ, you'll never get an ear for the instruction. And I'm saying this to you because it just continually convicted me this week. Now, by God's grace, I hope my friends and my wife would say I'm making some progress on that. Because my melancholy temperament, I can find something wrong. If you give me a list, right, I can find something that's wrong. But with Jesus' help, you can also find something that's right. See, what I've learned through, through uh, counseling and trying to help people and listening to their story If a child hears mostly about their mistakes, they begin to believe they are a mistake. If the majority of the the dialogue you have with your child or if you're coaching with your your team, if, if all they hear is what they're doing wrong, they begin to believe, I am something wrong. You have power in the tongue and what you choose to focus on. Now, this may sound like a strange, uh, I didn't leave this up here. I apologize to the team. I didn't leave this up here to advertise Apple during the, during the, uh, the singing this morning. But I do want to use Apple as an example. Did, did you all see this week where Apple just became the first in history trillion-dollar company? Did you guys see that? It may not mean much to anybody. But think, think about this for a moment. A trillion if you take a thousand million, you get a billion. If you take a thousand billion, you get a trillion. I just know that's a, lot of, that's a lot of money and a lot of influence. So why am I bringing Apple up? Apple decided years ago that they were going to change the direction of how they influenced this culture and how they got you to go from Windows to Apple from Samsung to an iPhone. And you know how they did it? They didn't put down their competitors. They didn't tell you you were stupid for having a a Samsung. They just talked about the kingdom of Apple. Here's what you can do. Here's what it feels like. You can be cool too. See, the reason I'm saying this to you is they became, they're an expert in how to communicate with this culture. They didn't spend time criticizing you for making a bad choice. All they did was talk about the benefits of how cool it is to be part of the Apple kingdom. Does that make sense? When you're trying to influence somebody into God's kingdom, do you spend most of the time telling them how cool it is to be his son or his daughter? How amazing it is just to have a God that I can go to and talk to and be loved and received, a God that I can serve, and even on my worst day, he's not going to leave me. See, that's now how I talk to people about Jesus. Now, do they have sin they got to take care of? Yeah, them and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are going to work that out. If he calls me to mention it, I might, but I found Like Apple, if I spend more time talking about how cool the kingdom is, how amazing its benefits, I got better chance of them taking a walk with me to to go to Jesus. Amen. Last thing 
that we got to be wary of is our testimony. Like it or not, you're on display. I'm on display. When I leave this pulpit after, after sharing these words and, and, and giving these exhortations, if two hours from now I'm yelling at my wife, do you think this sermon will make a bit of difference in her heart? No. <laughs> that wasn't rhetorical. It won't. Now, that doesn't mean as a Christian I have to be perfect, but it does mean that my testimony can be a hindrance to somebody else coming to the kingdom. I get the great opportunity. Well, I've been counseling for about 12 years, okay, in, in a, like a clinical setting, so it's private. And I get to ask people like really personal questions. And one of them is if they, a lot of times I meet people who grew up in the church, but now who are not, who are not part of the church. And I so, you know, casually, it's like, what's that about? Like, what happened? Do you have a problem with Jesus or the church? Oh, no, 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 not Jesus. It's the hypocrisy of the people who said they were Jesus' people, but, they, but their testimony didn't support their belief. And it discouraged these people. Now, closer to home is when a mother or a father claims to be a Jesus person, but their life doesn't represent it. I know I smoke, but don't you smoke. I want better for you. I'm just saying smoking. Could be anything. Eating, drinking. Do as I say, not as I do. See, that's tough for a kid to pick up. This culture, more than any culture I believe in our history, the kids can smell hypocrisy. They can, they can smell if you're the real deal. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but I'm just suggesting you might make more progress in connecting with them if you own your stuff. All of us are a work in progress. Thank God that he who began a good work in me will see that work unto completion until the day of Christ. So honey, I'm not finished yet, okay? I'm, I'm improving, but I'm not finished yet. So see, we just need to own our stuff. It's good to own your stuff. It's freeing. We talked about that freedom we were singing about. Do you know what, what the opposite of that is? Is walking around saying, I don't have no stuff. I'm good. I got it all together. That feels like a prison. You got to keep the mask up, keep the energy up. There is something good about confession. And when you confess to someone and show humility to a young person, it blows their mind because they're not used to receiving it. You're showing them that you're a real person too. They might have a little empathy for you at that point. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Verse 15. One other thing that keeps our kids, not just our children, but other people, not just our testimony, but sometimes they don't come to Christ because we keep them ignorant. If you've got young people in your household, and I say this to grandparents too, if you've got young people under your influence, get them educated in Christ. Bring them, bring them to children's church. We've got some amazing curriculum, amazing teachers. They're kind-hearted people, and they want to they bless your children. And they also promise not to lay hands on them if, they're, if, they're, if they don't act right, okay? So they get the blessing. Get your children, because... I want to say to you, a month ago, 
I was at this cross in a, in a private setting with a 73-year-old man who just watched a film about how Jesus was whipped and his blood was shed. And this man was just hugging that cross saying, I didn't know. Nobody ever told me what he did for me. In 73 years, he had never heard the gospel. Don't allow your children to go one more week without knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Because how can we know him if we don't know who he was and what he did? We're not going to want to go join him. So one of the ways that we can keep hinder children from coming to the kingdom is because we don't get them in front of the word. We don't get them in front of. We can do it at home. We've got apps. I sent some of my young brothers after that weekend. I sent, sent them some apps. They can connect with his truth instantly. We live in an age now where it's available to us. We just got to help people move in that direction. Just present it to a child. And here's what will really happen. You send them over here and they get teaching, they'll come back and tell you something. When a child learns it and gets it, they become excited. We can learn from their enthusiasm. But let's try to get our children there. Finally, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. See, up till now, this passage has focused on the children and the importance of it and the parents trying to get them and Jesus wanting to receive them. But now Jesus, he really, he opens up the true message behind the message of what he did. He wanted to show them that everything you thought qualified you for the kingdom is irrelevant. Disciples, Pharisees, Sadducees, it's not about power, it's not about prestige, and it's not about a special prayer. If you've been told that you got to say a special prayer in order to know Jesus, you've been misinformed. You do need at some point to communicate with him humbly. Like the man on the, on the cross, one of my dad's favorite, favorite verses, one of the thieves beside Jesus. He didn't say the special prayer, right? He wasn't baptized. He said, today remember me in your kingdom. It was a humble request. Have you requested for Jesus to remember you in his kingdom? Have you said, Jesus, I just want to be with you. I don't know what it's like there, but I know what it's like here, and I don't want to spend any, one more day here without you. That's all it takes. To receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credits, no clout, and no claims. A little child has absolutely nothing to bring, and, and whatever a child receives, he receives by grace on the basis of sheer neediness rather than by any merit inherent in him or, her, or herself. Pastor Eric does a great job of laying this out. The bad news is you can't earn your way up, up to it. You can't earn your way into an audience with God. He's not impressed. Did I say that was the bad news? Yeah. The good news is you're one invitation away and one expression away. And we need to make it that easy and that simple for our children to know that this perfect God you don't know about, you want to get to know him, ask him into your heart. Let's pause for a second. Let's just pause. If you'll bow, bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus.
I don't want my words just to be uh, empty words uh, and pleas from my flesh. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, if there's anyone here who has not requested to be with you, I just ask you that you will give them a prompting, that you'll give them an okay sign, that they would take that step and that you would give them reassurance that you are here. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord. Amen. Finally, that last verse, he, he, he took them in the arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, we don't have a walking, talking, live version, regardless of what some preachers think of themselves. We don't have Jesus in the flesh here. So we can't take a child to some destination and say, there's, there's the place, you get to go touch Jesus. No, some of you may not even be in a direct uh, place of responsibility over children. Maybe your children have left the house. Maybe you can't get them to, to come to church. Maybe that's your situation. So here's what I want to challenge you with. If you can't bring your child to Jesus, then bring Jesus to the child. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, if you have asked him to, to come into his kingdom and to walk with you, you are his child. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the ability and hopefully the willingness to bless a child, not just of little age, but every age. Do you have a heart that wants to bless? You can't get them to come to Jesus. How about if you take Jesus to them and you know what he looks like? He's in the mirror. You are the flesh and the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world, in this culture. There are but a few of us here who've been given the privilege and the authority and the right to speak truth into this society. Now that doesn't have to be on a platform where you're in front of a lot of people, but it should be face to face at least with somebody who you love and care about. Be Jesus to them. You know how you do it? You be authentic. You be transparent. You consecrate yourself. You set yourself apart from the world. I want to I wanna occasionally, you know, look like the world because I think certain things the world has are a little bit cool. But I don't want to be of the world. I don't want people to see me and say, well, there's a worldly guy. I hope they say, well, there's a Jesus guy. He's still a work in progress, but at least he's in the, going the right way. So consecrate yourselves. If you look so much like the world that I would only see the world when I see you, then I can't see Jesus. And for you to show people that Jesus is the greatest gift you have. Essentially, model love. The old thing, be a lover, not a fighter. Don't pick up every, every, don't pick up every keystroke to start a battle. Facebook folks, put the weapon down. Let's, be, let's show love more than fighting sometimes. If we want to bless our children and even other people's children of all ages, we need to teach them more than just the American dream. The right girl, the right job. Sorry, just talking to guys. Right girl, right guy, right job, right title, benefits, retirement, right house. See, that's the American dream. There's some value in teaching a young person to have goals and to save 
and to, and to rejoice in God's graces, that's a good thing. But we've got to teach him that there's a God dream. See, there's something that God sees within us that the world sees and says, that's foolishness. But God says that's wisdom. If you carry yourself as a Christian this morning and you have received and tasted that he is good, then share that with somebody else in a way that is loving and consistent with your testimony. And when you fall short and you make a mistake or you don't look like Jesus, just own it. You may gain more respect from him than he had before. A few years ago, I'm gonna close with this. I'm about to make a reference that probably nobody in this room, if you're, under the, if you're over the age of 20, will get, but I came across this song called Sky's Not the Limit by Jason Chen. Tell the truth, how many have ever heard of that song? Wow, I even got the young people. All right, that's cool. He says this, he says, now we're on top of the world because that's just how we do. They used to tell me sky's the limit, now the sky is our point of view. Now see, Jason was talking about a girl. Now that I got a right girl, the sky's the limit. Sky's no longer limit. Like we ride up here, we can see things different. Young people, I'm gonna tell you, you won't find it in a girl or a guy. You won't find it in a drug. You won't find it in a job. You won't find it in a bank account because I've tried all of those. If you wanna see the world and see this world from a, from, from a God view, then you gotta get with God. Jesus wants to show you wisdom and truth from, from up above that's perfect. If you're scrambling down here fighting for scraps, you'll never see life as it truly is from his perspective. So it's not about getting with those other things, it's about getting with him. So if you don't hear anything else I said this morning, Let's just make a way for others to come to know him. And if we're not there yet, let's just get up and walk to him. Let's pray. Father God, just take what my heart has been shared this morning, Lord, and, and I pray you'll bring your, your voice and your words to what I've said. And Lord, I just want to acknowledge that uh, I have not I've not always sought you. I've not always uh, gone for you and, and, and gone with you. But you are so gracious and kind and forgiving. I thank you, Lord, that you stepped into my life and into so many lives here in this room that you have taken disaster, you have taken ashes and turned it to beauty. Because that's what you do and that's who you are. So Lord, help us make a way for others to come to know you and Lord, help us to fight to make a way to get to you. Whatever it takes, Lord. As we come to communion, we come together as a body. We know communion, Lord, is reserved and commanded for those who know you. But at this morning, Lord, if there's anyone who is seeking to know you for the first time, Father, we invite them to come to your table to celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.